Hello and welcome to another episode of Are You a Weezer Fan? As always, I am John, here with Bill. I think I had too many Mike's Art Lemonades. The show that brings you with chronological story of Weezer history, music, and lore. Bill, what are we doing today? Oh lord, we are at the end of our Pinkerton cycle. And it has been a hell of a cycle. So much has happened, so much is to be talked about. Weezer is in a bad place, and that's what we need to get to the bottom of. Yeah, um... I mean, it's interesting because here in 2023 to a lot of people that, you know, we know the end of the Pinkerton cycle is the end of Weezer as far as they're concerned. And from everything that we've gotten up to chronologically at this point, it feels like the end of fucking Weezer right now. That is something I was thinking about, too. As far as people are, general people are. No, no, no. Okay, okay. What, What I was trying to think of. What I was trying to get across is that Weezer is a bad band is a general consensus thought that you could tell to anybody and then say, yeah, except for blue and pink. We cover what we just did. And I, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't think so. I maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe Ratitude is as good of an album as blue. Maybe Hurley is on the same level as Pinkerton. I honestly don't know. Maybe white is better than both of them. Shut up with your white nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the fact of the matter is, we are at the end of Pinkerton. We have learned about the songwriting and recording. We've talked about the release and the reception, how it was on tour, uh, where we were at in American rock and outside of rock culture. Uh, So we're going to bring that all back today in, you know, a couple paragraphs or less if we can for each topic. Uh, And then we're going to listen to some tunes because it wouldn't be a grab bag episode if we didn't listen to some B-sides and if we didn't have some secret tracks. Um, So, Bill, what do you think? Should we just jump into it? You want to start recapping some stuff? Yeah, I think that I like taking it all in as a whole. If you've been with uh, with us for these past three episodes, Weezer came off of the giant high that was Blue. Amazing sales, amazing plays, catchy ass songs, so many singles. Like even not looking at what's official singles off Blue, like almost every song off Blue is recognizable. Into Pinkerton, which was which is a uh, self produced album that is an amalgam of an actual opera and a non-fully-realized rock opera by Weezer. Yeah, Rivers taking ideas from an Italian opera based on an American going to Japan and turning it into a space opera of his own meddling, which he didn't follow through on because he started to get more life experience and brought himself out of this concept which is crazy to me that he was so embedded in this and all it took was not being on tour for him to go, oh, I have other emotions. Yeah, he just was removed from the band and he started going to school at Harvard and he started writing some more songs. He was like, oh man, like I've still got some good stuff from the songs from Black Hole and all the butterfly stuff that I've kind of written, but 
I, I think this album needs to go in a different direction. And I mean, and even it had started going in that direction before that, because before he goes to school, they hit the first recording sessions for what ends up being Pinkerton. Um, they knock out the first four tracks on the album. Right, but those are taken straight out of the space opera because I don't think he's had the experience yet of life. All right. And I think it it makes me feel better about Rivers as a person and a songwriter. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I came into this whole podcast with a lot of prejudice against Rivers. Likewise. A lot of what he puts out comes across as creepy, as a little like older guy really loving younger Japanese women, which I was kind of a turn, a big, big turn off from the man as a songwriter. But the more I learn about him, it's, it is less of that. It's a lot of misquotes because this man is not a fucking public speaker, especially at this point. We watch interviews. Yeah. He does not know how to talk to anyone. And he misspeaks a lot. And it's clear that he misspeaks. I think he, I don't know. I think he isn't creepy, which I'll, I'll eat my words if it ever turns out um, otherwise. But he is writing from his heart. Um, most of Pinkerton is like just one for one experiences he has. He talks about having his cane. He talks about looking like an old man because he grew out his beard and he was just shuffling around campus. Um. It's really interesting how he got from such an abstract concept to just talking about his daily life. And how all of those things fit together. Because you wouldn't think that, you know, the front side of Pinkerton and the back side of Pinkerton are disconnected in any way. Um, Where he almost took these experiences that he was getting and wove it into the stuff that he already had going on and made it all fit in what was not uh, songs from the black hole, but ended up being this kind of weird Frankenstein's monster, which is an <laughs> thing that we've used before. Uh, you used it before. No, I'm you, calling him. <laughs> you keep calling him an evil scientist and I'm not saying you're wrong, but you keep doing it. Well, uh, yeah, he is absolutely a mad scientist that cuts and splices and somehow makes amazing rock and roll with it. No, but I, uh, that I did cover this on the Pinkerton episode and I think it's true. It's crazy how his life reflected that, uh, opera that he was obsessed with. I don't know if he like made his life reflect that opera or if it was happenstance, but either way, it both came out in this album. Like he perfectly reflected his current life and an Italian opera he was obsessed with at the same time, which is why I gave it a 10. I think that's gorgeous. It's amazing. I'm kind of mad about it. and I kind of don't think I love Weezer. As a whole, but goddamn, the fact that he pulled both of these things together blows my mind. Well, and the thing that I think I'm the most angry about is uh, when this album was released, it was not really doing well. It was getting mixed reviews at best from the press. We had a few low ones, but a lot of kind of sevens and, you know, threes out of fives across the board. Yeah, mixed for sure. But commercially, was an absolute failure. Peaked at 16 and then just die-bombed. Yeah. Uh, compared to Blue, which went double platinum within about a year, uh, took Pinkerton 20 years to go platinum. 
Um, which is a goddamn shame because, uh, yeah, in the first episode of the cycle, I thought we listened to a near perfect album. You thought we listened to a perfect album. And for some reason in 1996, people weren't fucking ready for it and weren't here for it. I don't, I don't, I don't want to say no, not I'm ready mad. for no, it. No, 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 no. Because fucking Rivers sabotaged this album from the jump. Like he 100% he was like oh any any of that like thing we built from the last one get rid of it I'm gonna stop wearing my glasses uh, a, a music video with the director that we did biggest video of the year no no no, we no we're, we're not yeah. gonna work with him uh, fucking just everything he did was like a self that's what Matt Sharp was talking about in that weird interview when he's like <laughs> Yeah, we were going to go with Spike Jones, and I decided no. And then Matt's like, I wanted to go with Spike because he makes good videos. And Rivers, like, specifically says, like, I didn't want something interesting. I wanted something yeah, boring. Yeah, I wanted something really bland. I wanted like, something totally different. And he sabotaged this from the and it, jump. And it's such a shame because, like, the absolutely magnificent video for Sweater Song is just the band playing on a fucking stage right, right, right. in front of the background <laughs> color of the album, yeah, and it. then some dogs show up. It's not like anything interesting. That, to me, is a very boring video, but a very bland, boring video, quote-unquote, that's executed Done to well. fucking perfection. That's what you get when you hire Spike Jones. Why the fuck would you turn that man away? I don't get it. it I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. And I'll just... Oh my god! Like he was even before the album came out in the wee zines, he was sending letters to the fan club, saying there's a lot of dark stuff on this album. Like I'm probably gonna come off as an asshole. I mean, I guess I appreciate the honesty, but like he's seriously just fucking beating this album into the ground before it's even out. I don't. Of course, this wasn't as successful as Blue. Like they did everything they could to not make it successful. Because maybe partly because Rivers didn't like the fame. He talks about it a lot. Mm -hmm. He thought he wanted to be a Van Halen rocker and then realized he didn't. And then he used that against his other band members. Like that's that's kind of the begging that Brian Bell has in that uh, Much Music interview we talked about. He's just like, no, dude, I love playing music and I love being in this band as a job and i defend this album i i think he even it's just like yeah man, like this is solid i would love to play these songs on the road why right. does it seem like everyone's just yeah well right because even at that point rivers is like these songs are stupid i'm stupid i'm sorry i wrote these songs this is all bad anyways here's hell scorch <laughs> like i don't get it it doesn't make sense uh, he's i mean it makes sense uh, it would make sense if the album sucked. If the album sucked and it wasn't like a nine or a ten, honest to like, and and that's not just us saying that as noted Weezer fans. Uh, that is everyone else that rated it a seven at some point went back ten years later that's and was true. just like, we were fucking wrong. This album is either a nine or a ten. Maybe it's fair to say Rivers did. What I also did, what maybe a lot of people did, is he wrote an album. Let, let's say he's a bit older, but take the scenario of he wrote an album as an 18-year-old. I'm putting him back. Right. And then it came out, and then he grew up, and he went, oh, shit. 
those things are all really dumb that I just wrote. And then 18-year-olds hear it, and they're like, that's exactly how I feel. This is amazing. And then you have this gray period, which I grew up through as well, of like looking back at things you liked as a, a younger person and going like, oh, that's stupid. I don't like that. Why would I like that? I don't feel that way. Growing up into your 30s, and in River's case, I think maybe 40s before he turned his or, uh, regained his feelings for this album, of going like, yeah, that is how someone that age would feel. And maybe that's what everyone did on this album, because I fucking I did it. Like, I'm going to be honest, completely did it. When I heard this album first, when I was like 16, I was like, this is amazing. When I heard this album when I was 21, I was like, this is kind of gross. I don't like this. When we just did the re-listen, I was like, yeah, no, that's yeah, that that's it. Like, that's the feeling. Okay. I, I think that's fair. Um, huh. So just, just a little bit of cringiness as the fandom grows up it's with like, Weezer. And yeah. It's looking back at the cringiness and understanding the cringiness. Yeah. And going like, I get, I get it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, you're wrong, but I did it too, and I feel it. Yep. Yes. Okay. All right. So we hit songwriting. We hit release and reception. Yeah, we're kind of just all over. Um, we're, we're jumping. Um, well, so after, after all that big touring cycle we covered, um, something we didn't mention is that Rivers Cuomo did meet his wife, at the end of 1997, and it's kind of it's kind of on the fence of what show they met at. Yeah, uh, Carl Cook says one thing, Rivers Cuomo says another. Weezerpedia, get your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily, um, luckily for us, she wishes to be a very private person, and we will respect that. Which means we have to do less research. So I will definitely respect that. Yeah. So they met in 1997. Uh, we will mention when they get married, when it hits up in the chronology. But uh, besides that, we've got nothing on her, and we're not going to dig for anything on her because that's what she wants. So is yeah. what it is. Good for her. Yeah, honestly, that's fucking great. Um, the only correction I believe we have from our Pinkerton episodes is that Weezer did cancel a show to go to Michael and Carly's funeral. Yes, it was uh, somewhere in Vancouver, right? I believe it was a Canada show. And they were Paul Bearers at the funeral, which is, I think, significant to show how much the, like Michael and Carly Allen's entire family respected the band and uh, the, all the sisters' love for these members. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, all right. So that's all we missed. Um Again, we need to we need to figure out our schedule because we keep telling people to tell us what we missed, but then we keep recording this episode <laughs> oh, before I'm sure. we no, release yeah, yeah. Oh. any of the, the talking about the first episode. Oh yeah, I'm sure we missed a lot. We'll do a maybe we'll do a big old uh, recap episode sometime. Hey, that was between. something I was talking about. Yeah, so, yeah. hey, so, well, let's get that. Let's get those in. Uh, green maladroit. We'll catch up for all of our mistakes. Okay, yeah, I like that. Um, all right, well, Bill, anything else you want on the recap of? 
what we have chatted out about Pinkerton before we hop into some of the Pinkerton B-sides. Yeah, I think we do really need to... We've done this every Pinkerton episode because I think it's very important. Weezer is not in a good spot in 1997 or 1998. They are pretty much a broken up band. Yeah, uh, Weezer in 1998 at this point is known as Goat Punishment. <laughs> they've only played two shows, and they've both been cover shows, Nirvana and Oasis. They've got a new bassist named Mikey Welsh, and currently Pat's not even on drums for one of these because <laughs> he's just out of town. Um, so, I, honest to God, like in 1998, there is no Weezer. There's just Goat Punishment. But I also think it's, it's something we talked about off-air, but I don't think the deaths of Michael and Carly really affected where we were or maybe it did, but like it was the end of the Pinkerton cycle, the very end. They scheduled that uh, Memorial show like to be two, three weeks after the last show of that tour. Mm -hmm. It was already done. It Pinkerton already failed. Maybe they would have had a different outlook had their fan club heads not died, but I, mean, I don't know if much would have been different. You and I will likely never know because the entirety of the situation um, of Matt Sharp actually exiting the band and Mikey Welsh actually coming into the band seems to be fuzzy at best. Fuzzy. And we will likely never have the opportunity to talk to anybody involved. And even if we did, they probably wouldn't want to answer those questions, and that's completely fair. But I, I completely agree with you. Like, by Much Music Canada. <laughs> like, and I'm just going to refer to that because it was such a big fucking deal. Yeah, go watch by that, that The cracks were forming. Exactly. Like, it, no, ma no matter what, uh, Matt was, he was going... I mean, maybe not. We, we don't know for sure, but from the looks of it, Matt was already gone. But it it was in between Michael and Carly dying that Matt left before Mikey came in. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can't say for sure, but I don't know. Everything bad had already happened to Weezer. And at the end of this tour, that was, I think, the final nail in the coffin of just ending their small little indie punky band phase well and until 2001 as we'll find out on our next episode i'm damn curious how he got the strength to do this shit again i'm really excited for this research phase um i haven't done any of it yet so it's gonna be fun bill let's listen to some tunes though um what do you got for us first we want to add to well, yeah, yeah let's do some b-sides from pinkerton um how many tracks do we have today? Because I was also thinking Michael and Carly, which we haven't listened to, but maybe we don't have to. No, I absolutely love that. And let's do five songs today just for fun, and let's jump in first. No, no, wait, wait. Let's not jump. Let's, let, let's wait in, because I learned something about this song that I thought was adorable. So apparently, uh, so Rivers started to write this song around another song he had. I don't remember the name. We're not the best researched Weezer podcast out there, but God damn it, we try. <laughs> he rewrote uh, a song that he already had into Michael and Carly. 
1993, they, the, the, the band as a whole called up Michael and Carly and were like, hey, 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 what school did you guys go to? Uh, yeah, I remember this story. And they told them. Yeah. Went, oh, cool, cool. Hey, by the way, we really need you guys to be at a show like, like this, th- th- this week. Like, yeah. you have to be at the show. And they were like, okay. Like, it's a Weezer show. We were probably going to be there anyways. Yeah. And they surprised Michael and Carly with the song, Michael and Carly. Adorable. That's adorable. Fucking cute. I love that. Ah, yeah. All right. I love that, too. So let's jump into the track. Shall we? Yeah. Michael and Carly. Man, what a great track. It's solid. Um, I mean, I... Not to be like, not to shit on the memory or anything, but like, it's not one of the best Weezer songs, but like, it's a not at all. solid track, though. It's a solid track. It's cute as hell. As far as B sides go, and it was originally a blue B side. Yeah. Um, definitely worth a spin. Definitely. And, so. you know, the meaning that it gained later. Also, the meaning at the time, like, to write a song for, like, the leaders of your fan club. I don't know. That's crazy. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Let's write a song about Mary. (laughs) Would that be the equivalent? (laughs) Who's our biggest fan? Who's in charge of our fan club? I guess, yeah. Um, Yeah, I guess it would be our associate producer. (laughs) Slash your sister, slash my wife. Um. (laughs) Um, Do we want to spend... Let's do the uh, track we heard live next. Okay. Yeah. Uh, song off of Songs of the Black Hole. Songs from Black Hole. Yeah. I'm in so much Weezer lore. My brain is melting. Yeah. Um. So they they were playing this on the indie rock road trip. Yeah. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. Um. Definitely one that the wife was not aware of when they were playing it. And she's like, "Oh yeah, no, this one. It's a Pinkerton B side. It's a fun one." Them doing things like this really makes me think Rivers is going to try to put out songs from the Black Hole soon. I fucking hope so, man. Like, like, he specifically said at that concert, like, hey, these songs were from a concept album, yada, yada, space opera, yada, yada. Like, I think he's gearing up to do it, dude. I mean... I hope so. I hope what's so. the... Put you on the spot. What's the last album they put out? Uh, the last album they put out was the Seasons. Seasons. So four of them. Um, and I, I don't know too much about it, and uh, I'll read about it later, I'm sure, with this show. But from what I understand, there was, like, they were attempting to do some sort of a stage show thing with Seasons that ended up all falling through. But um, Yeah, so Rivers really wants to do, like, a full-on production at some point. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. Yeah, I mean... He has the means. He has the connections. Right? If you do something just kind of a la Green Day's American Idiot stage performance, like, why the hell not? Um, Fucking Fat Mike put out an opera not too long ago. Fucking Rivers can do it. Yeah. I'd see it. Um, What's the... What is the name of the song? (laughs) We have a lot of love going on, don't we? Uh, Yes. This is a Pinkerton B-side. You gave your love to me softly. 
you can definitely hear the difference between like we just listened to a blue B side mm-hmm. versus space opera B side. Like this is straight up songs from the black hole. Like he's oh no 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 my friend what do you not know the story of the song? Well, John, I read as much Weezer as I can. I can't read all the Weezer. Bill, this song was written to be on the soundtrack to the 1995 film Angus. <laughs> Rivers was approached by producers in 1995 to write a song for the soundtrack. He had originally written Wanda, You're My Only Love. And that one is like a, just a very much on the nose interpretation of the film through song. Um, and it was rejected for being just that. <laughs> so then he wrote, you gave your love to me softly, which was included in the film. It was then included as a B-side to El Scorcho, but was originally written and recorded to be an original on a soundtrack. Lord. Oh, God. Wait, so Will Smith can have hits with Men in Black and Wild Wild West, but Rivers isn't allowed to? <laughs> he can't be too on the nose? I, I guess not. I, and I don't know why this wasn't a hit. Um, this I mean, soundtrack also uh, doesn't suck. Well, we got some Green Day I mean, on here. We got some Goo Goo Dolls on this here. This song's not that good, is what I was going to get to. A B-side from Blue, Michael and Carly, really sounds like it could fit on Blue, an album of nothing but hits. This song's fine. It does the same thing it's over fun. and over. The solo, even doing the Weezer format of lyric, uh, follow the lead vocal melody for a solo, it doesn't hit that well. I don't think the song's great. I think it's fine. I think it's fun. Um, but yeah, it's an original for a film, so I think that's worth talking about. Yeah, it yeah. is. But you know what song is catchy as fuck that should have been? A single and a massive hit. Oh, my God. Doesn't feature Rivers on vocals, which may be why that's the reason it... uh, This one is a bop, and it... I mean, I'm not on TikTok, but this has been all over TikTok, like, a bit ago, right? Yeah, no, we record too far out. This might be completely dead on TikTok by now, but currently this song's going off on TikTok. Um, But the lead vocals are done by Rachel Haddon, of that dog. That dog. Uh, Can I pet uh, that dog? Pet that dog. Also dead on TikTok by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. But uh, they apparently would rehearse this song while they were on tour together, as we covered on our touring episode. That mm-hmm. dog and Weezer were like fucking thickest thieves. Those yeah. Bastards. And this one is ripped straight from Songs from the Black Hole. Yes, correct. Um, uh, like, um, unlike the other vocalist from Songs in the Black Hole, who said she didn't know she was supposed to be the other vocalist, uh, Rachel Haddon very much was on board and ready to do vocals for Songs for the Black Hole. Well, and she fucking kills it on this track, so I think we just hop into I Just Threw Out the Love of My Dreams. Well, that song fucking rips, and Rachel Haddon should become the unofficial sixth member of Weezer. It's so good. Sixth member. Carcook? Friend of the pod. Come on. That song is so good. The uh, Unlike the last song we just listened to, the 
like that solo in the middle, uh, synth solo, not a guitar solo, fucking stands out. It's really good. And the just having a different vocalist on the whole track works so well. Like Rivers doing harmonies is awesome. Yeah. I like it. Mm-hmm. This is a great song. That song's a bop. Yeah. I don't think there's much more to much more to say there. Except for give me songs from the black hole in its entirety. I don't Weezer. Think, uh, please. I don't think I need it. Please. I don't think I want it. I want it. I don't think it has to happen. I want it. I think she should just be coming out to play that song every night when they're on tour. That's about it. All right, fair. Um Damn. All right, so those were some B-sides. One carryover from Blue, because it made sense. That yes. was really, really good. Yes. One original written for a movie that ended up as a El Scorcho B-side. That, mm-hmm. um, as it should. As far as Weezer tracks go, it was definitely a Weezer track. Um, it's Weezer being Weezer. It did not suck. It was not anything to write home about, I think. Um and then we listened to Rachel Haddon. Should have been a single. Fucking should have been a hit. Blow out that song. Uh, my God, that was fun. But Bill, it wouldn't be a bullshit episode if we didn't listen to some non-Weezer music at some point. Yeah, I think this might be the bullshit. Here we, here we go. Are we doing, uh, who's going first here? Let's have you go first. Son of a bitch. Um... Do you want all 12 minutes of the horse shit I want to give you, or do you want three minutes of the horse shit I want to give you? I want all 12 minutes. Okay. Um, all right. You know, for the listeners, it's going to be cut down to about 20 seconds, like yeah, all yeah, of no, our no, musical yeah, clips are. Yeah, you listeners but, are going to hear the one clip that is making me feel Pinkerton in my bones. Uh, me and John are going to sit here for 12 minutes, though, because... I mean, you can't clip an entire Italian opera about a U.S. soldier going to Japan to get the one bit that you want to talk about Pinkerton. You got to take in the whole thing, right? Right. Absolutely. Maybe? Yeah. Um, so we're going to listen to Local Boys, Fear Before the March of Flames, and we're going to the first album, Odd How People Shake. So what's interesting about this little bit here is Go Wash Your Mouth, I Don't Know Where It's Been, starts as one song for about three minutes, and then it hits a three-minute, not acoustic because he's playing it on an electric guitar, but solo bit on electric guitar where the vocals and the lyrics, I cannot separate them from Butterfly in my mind. It's the, They're one and the same. The delivery, the heart-wrenchingness, I feel it. That's all I could think about while we were covering Pinkerton. And then, unfortunately, it goes right into the next song, which is why I think we have to do all all three of these bits. Okay. Let's do all three. Um, let's chat about it. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> Fear before the March of Flames. Go wash your mouth. I don't know where it's been. Uh, 
Um, okay, so first off, Bill, I, I do want to say yes, thank sir. you for bringing us a local band <laughs> as a Denver metalhead who got into the scene after Fear Before the March Flames got I into mean, the scene. Yeah, yeah, like metal, fun. yeah, uh, metal adjacent. This was definitely the screamo scene, scene. Um, I heard this way before I heard Pinkerton. I think might be another takeaway from this. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> what you got, John? Man, I think your butterfly connection is pretty weak at best. I Bullshit episodes are supposed to be, we bring a song in that has some connection. I cannot stop thinking about this Fear Before the March of Flame song whenever I was listening to Butterfly. That's all I got. That's it. <laughs> uh, just because of like the obvious lyrical metaphor of trying to contain something frail and killing it in trying to do so and, and therefore and it, just ripping of, of its beauty on I, top I, of an acu- acoustic a, sad boy track. Yeah. John, look, that man, might I, be, it. I, I think that might be a somewhat common thing. That's not like, uh, like, Hey man, I, I'm no saying other thing came to mind. <laughs> hey, to the song it's butterfly. I'm with you. Things didn't also pop I into thought my you head. were going to make a connection to the opera. And you just made a connection to the Weezer song. My connection to the opera. That's fair. My connection to the opera was that this is track two of uh, Fear Before's album, uh, Odd How People Shake. Okay. And it is six minutes long for some reason. And there is a song that goes right into this acoustic song. And this acoustic song flows right into track three, which is my takeaway of piecing something out of a fully put together opera. Just to have your little bits about flying things that are sad. Okay. <laughs> That's all you got, John. I love Fear Before the Marge of Flames, and this is my connection to Pinkerton. I could make okay. ge- guesses about other bands that might have been influenced by Pinkerton, but this is just one that I kept thinking about during this research. I debated bringing it to this episode, and you know what? Fuck you. I'm happy I did. I, I'm i glad you did, too. John, that was fun. John, That's John, a change of pace. John, fuck you. Bill. I'm happy I did. I'm glad you did, too. Uh, like, uh, unironically, I'm glad you did, too. That was a good experience. Just really not at all what I was expecting today. <laughs> Good. So you yeah. seem re- you, that, so that's you, what the bullshit's for, so man. You seem, you seem really fucking hyped about what you're about to make me listen because I got a setup right here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, Bill, we've talked about some of the biggest rock songs in the '90s, but we haven't talked about all of the biggest songs. And I'm gonna play you a one-hit wonder today. Um, what are like in, in your mind off the top of your head, what are some of the biggest rock and roll one hit wonders of the nineties? Fuck. I'm already thinking Harvey danger, but I'm pretty sure that's not it. No, um, Harvey danger is near the top of this list with flagpole Sita. You're right there. That's not what we're listening to today. Right. Right. But that is a top nineties one hit wonder. Um, a stupid idiot would say smash mouth, but I know that's not right. <sighs> too many hits, man. Too, too many, many hits. Too many hits. Too many hits. Um, fucking uh something three grace three days grace 
Uh, you know, Three Days Grace might have something on this list that I'm not seeing. Uh, you know, we've got Lit with My Own Worst Enemy is on this list. Lit had... Oh, fuck. No, not really. They only had the one hit. Million Dollars is a great song, man. Uh, we've got Better Than Ezra with Good pops up onto this list. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, I have recently learned I love Everclear. Everclear writes good fucking songs. Okay. And uh, they're playing this week, and I should probably go see them. Okay. I like that. Um, We've got Everlast with What It's Like. Not Everclear. (laughs) No. Everlast with What It's Like on this list. Uh, But none of those are the songs we're listening to today. What are you bringing me? Bill, do you remember the song You Get What You Give by the New Radicals? Oh, I fucking love the New Radicals. (laughs) You fucking love the New Radicals? I filmed a music video, you can't see my finger quotes, of, uh, I believe, yeah, no, Garrett. Our friend was wearing... Wearing the the hat over his eyes, and we lip synced a whole video to their video. We were on top of an air hockey table. We did a we did the shit, dude. Bill, I need you to know that I am more excited than I was. Yo, let's go! Because I didn't bring you. You get what you give by the new radicals. No, 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 Bill, 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 stay with me. Stay with me. I brought you because it wouldn't be a bullshit episode if I didn't bring you a cover of You Get What You Give by the New Radicals. The band, I know them as good people and Weezer fans. You know them as one of my favorites. The world knows them as Prince Daddy and the Hyena. Bitch. (laughs) You got P. Daddy into this? God damn it. I mean, I knew you'd find a way to get Prince Daddy into the show. I got to shoehorn uh, one of my favorite bands into a show, into the Pinkerton episode in a way that made sense that wasn't the obvious way. that They they did a cover of uh, Devotion, which is another Pinkerton B-side. That would have been the obvious way, (laughs) but I got him in in a more fun way, and I want points for that, Bill. I'll give you points, and I'll also give you, I think it opens a conversation, Uh, production in the 90s is fucking massive like it's a very important it, it, it's missing from a lot of things that come out today a lot of musicians cuz we don't need to we don't need to go into studios or get record labels who give us producers we just make our own shit and are you trying to knock what we're doing right here with all this you know self bot stuff no, podcasts are different. We could be on fucking AM radio in the middle of Kansas right, while yeah, somebody's fair. driving through. But like musically, um, a lot of bands don't have that anymore. And I think that's something I realized listening to this. Prince Daddy played the song great. They executed it well. But the production level isn't there. Because, <laughs> fuck. Bring it way back to a record bin episode. I think that's something Prince Daddy lacks is production. I, I did think of them when we were doing uh, Pinkerton because of a uh, concept album as a whole. And I think some bands could use a producer to help tie, tie everything together. I think one of, one of my favorite bands, Gorillaz, uh, first two albums had producers, two of the best albums ever made. After that, 
self-produced, no. Like, it doesn't work as well. Okay. Uh, I mean, our uh, our boy from the cars, he has a name. Rick Ocasek? Rick Ocasek fucking <laughs> Friend made, of the pod. made blue happen. Like, I honestly think that, like, that really tied it to, like, there's a big difference in sound between blue and Pinkerton. Well, and here's a great spot to end this bullshit today. Because you know what Rick Ocasek also makes happen? What does Rick Ocasek also make happen? Chapter three of our Weezer podcast, wow. The Green Album. Wow. Okay, we did it. Let's go. We did a whole fucking thing. Yeah. We did a whole chapter. Uh, We wrapped Pinkerton. Uh, honestly, we wrapped a decade. Because Green's not going to come out until 01. Um. We don't know that yet, John. Right now we're sitting in 1998 and we don't know what's happening. 100%. We're sitting here in 1998 with some goat punishment shows and who is Weezer? And for some reason we tried out a bass player, even though we're not recording it or doing any shows. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay, so we're through two chapters of uh, what is going to be an incredibly long Weezer show. We haven't decided how we're going to do seasons yet, so I don't want to say how many chapters yet. Um, But we're we're two chapters in. We know we've got at least ten to go. How you feeling? Where you at? Um, and I I guess really let's end this with uh, Bill. It's mid nineteen ninety eight. Are you a Weezer fan? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I really hate when John asks me personal questions when I'm trying to map out this history of this band. Um, It is very curious. The whole up and down is interesting. Weezer came out in a time. Blue Album peaked in a response to grunge of the... And grunge was a response to the hair metal. Okay. So hair metal is this big, extravagant, wave our dick around, play guitar solos, we have sex with everybody. Grunge comes out as an antithesis to that, which is, we don't care. Well, we're going to play music. Well, we don't care if we're popular. We don't care if you like us. We're going to play music. Which sprouted an entire generation of people that don't give a fuck. And Weezer pops up at the end of that cycle of people not giving a fuck. Right. And they're a bit more upbeat. They're coming along this, they're, 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 they're like in the wave of this pop punk thing where people are having fun. Everybody's having fun. And Weezer's like just behind it. I was like, yeah, we're also having fun, but we're kind of nerdy. Mm-hmm. And then they get to their second album and they're like, we're having fun. But we're sad. And they're almost kind of right there and almost a little bit ahead of some of the second wave of emo while also not really being fully a part of it. Exactly. So they're just kind of like, they're kind of hitting the like tangents of these waves. They're not really riding waves. Oh, absolutely. Like, that's what I'm trying to, you can't see my hands, but my hands, I have them back here on the wave. But like the pop punk wave kind of bounces into a ska wave which is the absolute opposite of grunge where they're like we're happy and we love we're having fun we love everything fucking horns and we're doing everything and then weezer's like we're over here but 
bands like Jimmy World and Saves the Day are paying attention. Mm-hmm. And uh, Motion City soundtrack is absolutely absolutely. Right now. And uh, I don't know. Weezer doesn't see it, which is fair. The record label doesn't see it, which is fair because nobody. The numbers aren't making sense. It's kind of the uh, um, the Sex Pistols played their first gig in the UK. What's the fucking diatribe? Like twelve people saw it, but all twelve of those people went to make monumental bands. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what's going on with Pinkerton. I think is that the people that yeah. are listening to Pinkerton are going, holy shit. This is it. Personal, emotional, simple riffs with no production. This is what I want to do. And we can see that because the three most vocal supporters of Pinkerton, while it's getting panned, are Motion City Soundtrack, Saves the Day, and Early Jimmy World. Are just be like, no, man, like this album fucking rips. Like, I don't know why y'all aren't listening to this. And. Exactly. But uh, then through the about to come out with bangers. Like we said, the self sabotage that Rivers specifically Rivers. I don't think yeah. it was anyone else. Rivers specifically sabotaged this album. See, I di- I disagree with that. Fuck that. He is a fucking idiot. No, no, no. no. <laughs> he did Rivers on this I, album. I, I am not disagreeing with you that Rivers sabotaged this album. I am disagreeing with you that he did it alone. Um, I think that it was all him. What no, are you, no, no, no. I, I, th- I think who that, else helped him sabotage? Yeah, his? when we see that these uh, TV performances from Matt, in which he seems completely uninterested at all, when we see Pat Wilson missing the VMAs because quote he just couldn't deal with it. I think they and then all the much music thing, even though it's an acoustic thing, what are you going to do with the drummer? It's fucking weird when you've got this new band that's up and coming, they're doing a TV performance and then it's like, "Oh, drummer Pat Wilson is back in the hotel, not just chiming in with Mm-mm. comic relief no, and no, like no. doing nothing doing the acoustic set." Ah, man. So I I think the rest of the band is seeing what's happening and are stepping back. And and they might be reacting to it a little bit. I think that's what gives Matt Sharp his uh, out of the fucking fucking space case like interviews. Matt Sharp and Pat Wilson could have been more like Brian Bell. We watch Brian Bell fight for his fucking life. Yeah, but fucking Rivers was the antithesis to Brian Bell. <laughs> totally. T- like, 100%. Like, it, Rivers might have been the one, like, really actively sabotaging it. But from what I have seen in this research cycle, uh, Matt and Pat weren't fucking helping. No, they weren't helping. But be- And isn't that part of it? Isn't it? Is, like, we, we talked about... Uh, in our very first episode, our, our point five, that Weezer is Rivers, Rivers is Weezer. But also, isn't it four fucking dudes? And even if Rivers is off the rails a little bit and sabotaging the album, can't the other three like be a united front and just want to play rock and roll like Brian Bell? Be like Brian Bell, <laughs> Bill. Be like Brian Bell. I think if Rivers is Weezer... Then he did wrong by asking some of these people to join him on this album cycle. I think it's very fucked up to write an album and do everything you can to do the opposite of having good promotion for it. And I think Matt Sharp saw that, and I might be on his side for leaving this band in 1998. I might be on his side for leaving this band in 1998. I'm not on his side for 
presenting in the way that he did from everything that I have seen. Um, I don't know. I think he saw what was coming. I, th- I think not even what was coming. He saw what was happening. I, th- but, you I can, think but you can see what's coming. And what's still he going to do? He's a bass player. Is he going to save an album? You cannot be a dick. I don't think Brian he Bell. What did Brian Bell didn't save Weezer by being the nice guy no, on Much Music Canada? Rivers but he was, was still. It. But he was still the better dude. You can be the better dude. No, I, don't, I, I don't know, I man. Think I, think, I think that's. I think Patrick and. Uh, Matt Baltzot, I think Brian was fighting for his life because it was the first album he did. I can't believe the very end of this bullshit episode that I tried to cut like <laughs> 10 minutes ago has become our no, most heated argument. Yeah, like, oh no, my God. Let's do this. I, I don't, oh God. Okay. Well, what I guess what it all comes down to is I don't know how they get out of this hole. I literally don't. I'm baffled that Weezer is right, still a band. Right, because here we are in 1998. I'm, I'm baffled that they're still a band. We, we just gave them nines and tens, and from everything that we've read and everything that we've seen, this band is fucking dead, and why? We just gave them eight episodes, and we are in the fucking gutter. Like, an album hit 16 and dived, and nobody wants to talk to each other. Nobody wants to make music. They're replacing bass players. They're playing shows without their drummer. I'm what so curious to what this green cycle is going to bring. Like, and amazingly, but like, honestly, but be, like, right. I'm, I'm really excited for what it's going to bring. And I'm really intrigued about what it's going to bring because I know that it brings Island in the sun. That's that's one of the weird things about being ahead of this just in the real world is like we don't know the full stories, but we do know at least musically the outcomes of these stories. So whatever the fuck happened during this Pinkerton cycle and the pre green cycle is like, hey, man, Island in the Sun is a is a fine Weezer hit as far as we want to talk about. But if you don't want to tell me that that isn't like a squeaky clean radio hit as a direct response to Pinkerton being panned and Rivers just wanting to get back inside of a box and hide where he's safe, then they're like, fuck off. It might be. It absolutely is. It might be. I'm curious. Maybe we find out it's a song he wrote in fucking 1991, John. I don't know. I God, really, that would make me so I really angry. I don't know. We're going to leave before we just start. I mean, we're, we're like, honestly, man, if we don't cut this episode right now, yeah, it's going to turn into the done. green we're episode. Done. We're done. We're done. All right. Bill, are you a Weezer fan? <laughs> uh, Bill, where can people find us? You can check us out on Twitter or X at A-Y-A-W-F pod or just search Are You a Weezer Fan? And we are on TikTok and Instagram at Are You a Weezer Fan? All right. Uh, Yeah, and don't forget, you can also find us on Patreon. That link is going to be in the description if you want to uh, support us and get some fun bonus content where we listen to pretty much exclusively non-Weezer music. Uh, We still talk about Weezer, though. It happens. Um, Yeah, we'll see you next time.